You're listening to The Sigrun Show, episode number 301. In this episode, I talk to Holly Signorelli about how you can attract wealth and abundance with your money story. Welcome to The Sigrun Show. I'm your host, Sigrun, creator of Samba, the MBA program for online entrepreneurs. With each episode, I'll share with you inspiring case studies and interviews to help you achieve your dreams and turn your passion into profits. Thank you for spending time with me today. Building an online business takes time. I share with you proven strategies to help you get there faster. You'll also learn how to master your mindset, up-level your marketing, and succeed with masterminds. On today's episode, I speak to Holly Signorelli, who is a CPA and a wealth strategist for seven and eight figure clients. Holly is also the author and her books are Do You Know Where Your Money Is? and The Secret to Wealth, How to Change Your Money Story. In this episode, we dive into the money story and how it impacts your wealth and abundance. Go to signal.com forward slash 301 to find links to Holly Signorelli and the show notes of this episode. I am so excited to be here with Holly Signorelli. And me, we met at Iconic, which is Iconic 2.0 by Ali Brown. And I loved our conversations about how to get the right clients at the right price, even if you think you can't. And this was actually a chat like in the cocktail in the evening. And I remember like, oh, I need to go back and tell my clients about Holly. So Holly, thank you for coming on the show. Yeah, I love doing this stuff. Yeah. So you shared this story with me, how you transitioned from clients that, let's say, paid you less to clients that paid you a lot more. I'm very curious about this transition. Maybe we need to go back to like how you got started and, you know, what you do. You're a financial advisor, but what does that maybe you were not always a financial advisor. Um, well, actually, I was. Um, basically, I came from a family that really never had money issues. Like, my, we only had one income with my dad. And then my mom, she was a stay-at-home mom, and we had like 44 foster kids. But even so, with all of these kids that they had, they had four kids. The last one was the last foster kid, by the way. And we had adopted somebody from Korea always. And so we always had what we needed. We weren't rich at all with one income and, you know, six people. But the way that I was raised, nobody really talked about anything negative with money. Like we still went on trips. I mean, maybe not the kind of trips I do now, but we just really, we had such a great family. And so when you have like four kids in a family, they have different like archetypes. And I just happen to be one that likes to have really nice things, right? So I realized around 14 years old that I needed to get a job, you know, a little side job so I could have some, you know, back in the day of Jordache jeans and stuff. <laughs> like, well, you, you needed to get certain clothes, right? From certain brands. Yeah, some brands and some shoes and some toys and stuff. So, and I always liked working and I've always been really good at math. In fact, I actually taught myself math like when I was five years old on our way to going to the, our grandparents. So I guess that's, um, you know, everybody comes in here with gifts, right? And so that was just one of mine. And so 
since numbers are really normal for me, and I, I started realizing that people don't like numbers. And so I decided to be a CPA sometime in like high school. And so that's what I've done my whole career. And then I, I became a financial advisor because it makes sense together. When you're looking at a tax return, then you know the best investments for those people. So the transition from a CPA to financial advisor, was it the same clients or did you have to get different clients? Yeah, it was the same clients. So the clients that I was working with already as a CPA, then like I would say about 50% or more would become a financial planning client. Sometimes they would come to me and they already had a financial planner. So, and that's fine, you know, too. Basically, since I started, I started my company in 1999 and I had worked with somebody before that. And because I was young when I started, the clients that I had were small also. And that was fine, right? Because you're kind of growing with those clients. And then over time, uh, some of those clients became very, very big. But what was happening for me around 2014, 2015 is the clients that were sending me new clients were the small ones. And at some point, I had this massive CPA practice, which you would think would be awesome. But there was so many small clients. And the problem is that they're not paying you very much and they want a lot of you. Like even asking for can you show me how to do this? Well, yeah, I will, but it's going to be a charge on that. So what I did is I finally hit this breaking point where I was like, wait a second, I've been doing this for a really long time. I'm really, really good at what I do. I'm very personable. I'm hands on. And so I sold part of my company to another, another CPA practice. And then I kept my bigger ones. And then I took a little bit of break there because I, I just needed one. So I took like 2016 was like the year of the break. <laughs> and guess what happened? I got totally bored, right? <laughs> I would happen to you too, right? Yes. Maybe I should have done three months or something. So then I started going out to different places where basically I work with professionals now. So like doctors, real estate investors, consultants, attorneys, things like that. And typically you can just get a client there because you're really not even asking them to be your client. Usually you're just at a very nice event and you're having a conversation and it's pretty easy for someone to ask like, what do you do? I'm a CPA. And most of the time they're unhappy with their CPA just because they're probably the same situation that I was in where you just have too many clients. And so now I'm in a really great situation because I know you remember this from my clinic. My bottom line is like 70%. And the people that are paying me are really happy because I take such good care of them. I think that's a really big part of it is I take really good care of them, but I still have boundaries. Somebody might call me on Saturday because they're about to buy a car and it might be a two minute call and I'll probably catch that call, but that just doesn't happen very much. But really what they want is for everything to be done and to feel good about it so that they can do what they can do. So like a doctor, they're busy. They just want somebody to do it right. And then now I've got this momentum that I'm getting more and more retainers and clients from those really big clients. Mm. I'm curious about how you shifted that. Like you were probably charging by the hour before or a while back, let's say. 
I was doing retainers, but they were too small, like 300 a month. So now they're somewhere in between the 500 to 2,500 and then separate from the taxes. Yeah. So it just depends on how, how much that work that we're doing. And, but I usually don't do an hourly thing from taxes because the taxes are so hard nowadays that an hourly thing just wouldn't work, you know? Yeah. But you have been smart about having the retainer from the beginning, but the clients were too small. That was basically the issue. Yeah. That's right. So I kept the other ones. And then now if I'm meeting with somebody, I just tell them ahead of time that I have what I call is a boutique firm because I'm not looking for 500 clients that I have to do every month, you know, and, and typically I ask a few questions to try to figure out, you know, what their mindset is. So recently I was, somebody had reached out to me kind of out of nowhere. It was from LinkedIn and I could tell that this person had plenty of money, but they didn't want to pay the fee. And I was just, I just walk away from those kind of things because from working with people for so many years, I just know that if somebody's thinking that way, then it's going to be a problem the whole time. They're always going to be asking for a discount or they'll pay your fee, but then they're going to ask for a bunch of extra stuff with it, which is kind of the same thing. Yeah. yeah. But it's interesting that you can change. I just shared this story for you before we started to hit the record button, but I think I'll share it again that I was in my mindset that, you know, CPA, accountant, like these are like, I'm not going to make money. Like, I just think this is like things that you have to do in your business. And I was really, I could say a tight ass. <laughs> on. <laughs> so I paid someone 70 euro a month to do my books. And I thought that's going to be fine. Until two years later, I discovered it was not fine. And they were doing everything wrong. Right. And I've shared this in a separate podcast episode that uh, this mistake of saving on this cost me $15,000. So Probably even more to fix it. Yeah, I had to hire someone else. They basically charge almost per hour the same as the other person charged per month. And I was like, okay, uh, because I, in that moment, just wanted someone that I could trust that had good referrals. You said that's how you get your clients. And yeah, it took us a long time, cost a lot of money. And now I really value like... I would never save on this. Like this person that is saving, they're going to hit the roadblock somewhere with their saving mentality. And they're going to realize one day they want to hire a proper a financial advisor to, especially when you're making a lot of money, it's going to hurt even more uh, when those mistakes appear. Oh, yeah. And especially like in the United States right now, we have this new tax reform that's very complicated. So you can't just have somebody doing your books that doesn't know the laws. So no matter where you are, I'm sure there's different laws where everybody is, but you want to know about that too. Yeah. Yeah. So you uh, mentioned archetypes briefly before, and I know you've written a book. So is that book connected to those archetypes or is that a separate subject? That was Kendall Simmerhoff from Iconic also. I had done her certification and I did it because when I first went there the first year, I was talking to Tara and we were, I was talking about, man, some of these clients that I work with, they just have the weirdest, like I couldn't understand them. So I wanted to do that certification so I could understand somebody. So like, you know, some people are like accumulators and that means that they could have 
$10 million and they would never feel like they had enough. And usually it's not because of greed. It's because they literally don't think that they have enough that, you know, something will happen one day. And those kind of people, they will constantly be trying to haggle you. When I know that that is what somebody is, I just know that uh, that is not somebody probably I would want to work with. Now, if I was a coach, I might work with them, but I'm a CPA and I do yes. yes. So it kind of depends on, you know, what you do for a living. But, you know, if I'm not a coach in that way to help somebody that way, then really it's just going to be a difficult. And then there's, of course, the spenders. And those can be hard too because the overspenders, you know, will kind of pay you a little late. They'll always pay you, but they'll just pay you a little late. And I got rid of a couple of those also because of that, because it's just, they're going to go spend out and <laughs> they can spend it over here. The retainer's not that bad that you can't do it, <laughs> you know? So stuff like that. Cause I think just when you're running a business uh, you want everything to flow, you know? And if you're having to ask somebody to pay you something that you know that they can pay and you're having to ask them three or four times that, you know, every month, then that's just somebody that I don't want to work with. So who is your ideal archetype as a client? It would probably be the ruler, which is somebody who really loves to work. Some people might call them a workaholic, but really what they are is they're just so in love that that might be you if you did the test, honestly. Yeah, probably. <laughs> I look, I'm like, she is everywhere. She's everywhere and she's doing all, how is she doing all this? She's she tired? I'm tired. <laughs> I'm looking at her, I'm tired. <laughs> it's like, so you might be one of those. It's just people that just love what they do. And so they are constantly working and they can get a little bit tired, but they're, they're really in their zone. So, yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's good. We're a good match. <laughs> yeah, I'll have to send you the little, you know, that she set up. You answer a few things. It only takes about 10 minutes and boom, there it is. <laughs> okay, great. We'll link that to, in the show notes as well so people can test out what is their archetype. So coming to your book, why did you write a book in the first place? I did write one back in 2008 when the, everything went really bad for the whole country and actually the whole planet. It was about overspending after that because after 2008 when things got bigger, people started spending more money than ever. It was kind of crazy because there was like this underspending going on after 2008 and then all of a sudden it was like, oh, now I can buy all this stuff. And I even had some clients um, spend all of their money and not even have money left for their taxes and owing like a hundred thousand of taxes, you know, like that's how the spending problem was. But I wanted to do something that was more inspirational because no matter who I'm talking to most of the time, even people that are the wealthiest people, they just, like I said earlier, they just don't think they have enough money. And sometimes it can be that the wealthier that you get, then you're around other wealthy people. And it's kind of that Joneses thing that they say. And sometimes it's just like, we're always wanting new, new and better things, which is okay too, but it, it's really more about your mindset. So I started realizing it's so funny. And I always say this, like, if one of your friends came to you and said like, hey, I want to get married, I'm ready for this perfect match, you would tell this person a million ways that they could find their match. You would be helping them in every way. You might even set them up with somebody that you thought was a good match. 
But with, if somebody comes to you, maybe not you specifically because of what you do for a living, and they start talking about money, they talk about it very negatively. Like sometimes my clients will say, oh, I had a banner year, but I'm not going to be able to do it this year. And I'm like, huh? You just did it. Why, why can't you do it again? You know, they've already decided. And so when I started to do this book, I was able to collaborate with Dr. Lisa Barrett, who is a neuroscientist. So I called her. I didn't know her, found her on the internet. I was like, she is not going to help me do this because she doesn't know me. But she got super excited. And so I learned a lot about this. And one of them is called symbiotic resonance. And now symbiotic resonance is when two things come together and become a whole. So an example of that, it would be like if you have a baby, you know, you have your baby and you, oh my God, I love this baby. Like they're a whole. And especially like if you get married or you're engaged or something like that. But the same thing is true with your money. Because if you are not in a symbiotic relationship with your money, then you'll never get the money that you want because your brain is constantly making choices for you. You don't know that, but it is. So if you are telling yourself, oh, this is going to be a bad year in my business or I'm not going to be as good as last year, then you won't. What will happen is the way that your brain works is you will only see those negative things over here that you were talking about. And you won't see these things. These things will be here, but you won't see them because that's how your brain works. You know, it's just an organ. And so by the end of this book, I realized that, you know, we talk about the law of attraction a lot. But really, the brain is part of the law of attraction because how you talk to yourself and your brain, that is what will happen. Just like the, what we say, the law of attraction. And I've always done this my whole life. But after this book, I went to a whole nother level of it where I started doing the money story. And the money story is where you are telling a story as if it already happened. I had done this years ago. I had had like, you know, sometimes when you're running a company and, and you know, especially as a woman, I just was dating the wrong people. So I had like three really bad, bad things in a row. And then I decided to write my, my story about my husband. And I wrote this down, it was so detailed. I mean, it was detailed to things like, I uh, want to be with somebody that's really fit, but also is fun and likes to eat pizza, you know, somebody that's like, can do a lot of everything and that we wanted to have, a, and, we, and in the th story, I, it was like I had done it a year ahead. And so I, we wanted a boat and the house and all of this stuff. And then three months later, I met Ray, who's my husband. And of a year later, we were in, going to our, our new home. And when I was leaving the other house that I was in, I had put that letter aside because I was so embarrassed that if anybody saw this letter, they would think I was crazy. And I saw this. I totally had forgotten about it. And every single thing on there was exactly Ray. And then I was like, well, hey, 
if I can do that in three months, then I bet I can double my income in my company. So I did the same thing. I wrote a story about my company and my company doubled that year too. And not only that, but I had more opportunities that year with the financial planning to be flown to New York, Florida, California, to the best hotels ever. And so they wanted to show us the stuff that they wanted us to sell for our clients. So it was like amazing. And then once you realize that you are in control of your money, and everything else. I mean, this could be for anything else, but that how you talk to yourself and to other people matters. Yeah. So what needs to be included that this story works? Because this sounds like a vision exercise and I do this with my clients too, but I would love to hear like, what did you include in the story so that it works? In the story of which one? Let's say the business story. Yeah. Oh yeah. It was, that one was probably a little bit shorter, but at that point, so this was like eight years ago or whatever, I was at the 300 mark and then I wanted to get to like the 500 mark. But what was kind of interesting is it was just that I wanted to have some really good clients and that it was easy for me and that I had the right staff. And so by then I think it took about nine months for this to go to fruition, but then I was already at the 550 mark and then I had the best staff and I had a great office, but then, you know, it's just like everybody else that I wanted to go to another level. So that's when I actually did sell part of that. So that gave me that extra money to then work on this new model, which now is in a really good place. So basically, uh, money is about also believing that this is possible for you because you also said in the beginning, before we started to record, there are people out there that maybe will never get the money they want because of the way they view money. Yes, that's true. So here's an example. Um, some people know about this and some don't, but it's called frequency illusion. So what I always tell people is like, you know, when you get a car, it doesn't have to be a brand new car. It's just a car. You get it, but you're excited about it. And all of a sudden when you're driving, you see that car everywhere, same color and everything that is called frequency illusion. And this is what's very important with money. Also, that is because you are excited because you got a new car and you're thinking about it and you're driving it. And so all of a sudden it's like, man, I didn't know there was so many cars that looked like mine, right? So what that is in your brain is simply an awareness. It's an awareness. So that's what we were kind of talking about earlier. Like if you want money, you have to think and love money. You know, you have to be like, I love money and money loves me. <laughs> you know? And like when I do like those kind of affirmations for myself, I want it to be both ways. I want my clients to love me and to love how I, I take care of them. And they want to pay me because of that. And everybody's happy and I'm happy working with them. You know, I always think about that uh, because of course I want to have money but I want to be doing it the right way for me anyway. <laughs> That's really what that is. So just like you're going to see your car everywhere on the, on the road, then you need to be 
looking at somebody that makes a lot more money than you and be like, wow, that's awesome. If she's got that, I can do that and not get that jealous thing. Okay. So if somebody's stuck in, let's say, charging low prices or just doesn't see a way out, is that because they are constantly looking at the problem of lack of money? Yes, because once again, like when you are in love, there is no resistance. And I can tell you this, every client that's fallen in love and they're engaged or getting married, they always make a ton of money. And the same thing happened to me that year with Ray because I was so in love that there was no resistance. So now maybe we can't be that all the time, but what if we can most of the time that just thinking like, oh, you know what? Like if it were me and I was wanting to get to that higher level, I would be like, and I would do this very lightly, very lightly, just kind of talking to myself or almost like I'm talking to a friend like, you know what? I am really good at what I do. And I know that I do things much better than other people do in my field. I believe that I could do higher prices because that's what people need from me. So when I started getting these other clients with this new model, that's where, how I went into that meeting. I knew that I am very personable and a lot of CPAs are not. Most of them aren't, by the way. <laughs> and I know that I can take really good care of people and I know that I can kill it in an audit. I just go in there and that's what my fees are. And usually people, that's what they want. And if they're not the right archetype, <laughs> then there's not really much you can do about that. Yeah. So if people are in that mindset of lack of money and seeing all the opposite, so basically there is no way out until they shift that money story. Yeah, so you have, that's why at the end of this book, it's about doing the money story because that's part of the brain too. When you actually write or even type on the computer, you are talking as if it already happened. So wherever you are now, financially and wherever you want to go, you still have to believe in that. So let's say that you are making a hundred thousand and you want a million. If you're not feeling that you're going to resist. So start from 100 to 300, from 300 to 500, you know, like work yourself up that way because that resistance, and this is one thing I think is really important too. And it's a little bit weird, I know, but when you have resistance about anything, but we're talking about money today, you will feel it somewhere in your body and you will know, you know, nobody will have to tell you like you'll feel it in your chest, you know, you'll feel it in your stomach, you'll feel it in your back or you'll get a headache and where you get that feeling like when you're resisting, if you're just like maybe doing some meditation or just taking some time alone Feel your body, like where is this showing up? And that'll give you a major indicator of what it is because your brain, of course, is your brain. You know, your heart is your emotions and your stomach is your strength. So if you feel it in your stomach, then you are not feeling strong. You're not feeling strong. And if you're feeling it here in your chest, then your emotions are something like guilt, frustration, you know, those kind of feelings. And you know those kind of, once you start getting frustrated 
and I know this for myself, if I get frustrated on the computer, everything starts to break down. <laughs> like the computer doesn't work. You know, it's like everything is like, the energy is flowing everywhere, even if we can't see it. So that's what I would tell somebody to do. Like if you feel this resistance, like you want this so bad, but you're feeling the resistance, like go to that part of your body that you feel and just kind of break it down, you know, just like break it down, you know, or like feel it or like, okay, if this is in my head, I must be, I'm probably overthinking things, right? Then you get a headache and same thing with the back. If it's the back, it's because you're thinking about the past and that happens a lot because you can't move forward if you're thinking backwards. Yes, makes so much sense. I love it. So how often do you write a money story yourself? I just did one recently because I'm actually so happy with where I'm at right now that I, I feel very abundant to go to that next level. And this one was probably shorter just because it's kind of like I'm, I'm already in a good place that I can just manifest that and meet those right people. So again, it's like the way that your brain is, is when you're like, oh man, I would know that I have like probably 25 uh, really great clients that are wanting to meet me. They haven't met me yet, but I know they will, you know, and then you just kind of show up on social media too. <laughs> well, you have to do the work too, of course, oh, yeah, just writing yeah. down the story, but, yeah. but then you know what you're working for. Right, because if you tell the story, then that gets rid of the resistance that we're talking about. And then you start actually stepping out and going to the social medias and also to the events, you know. I know you have a, a global brand, but sometimes like there's probably when you're in Switzerland or Iceland, you go to an event and probably meet somebody, you know, or maybe, maybe yours is really just virtual, but it just depends on what people are doing. Yeah. And we met an event and now we're doing this. So you see how this works too. And when you said you were a financial advisor, I was like curious. And then you told me you had retainer clients and it was on a totally different income level than what I'm used to from other CPAs. So that was how the whole story started. So it really kind of just happens naturally that you meet people and make connections. Yeah, that's the case. Like I wanted to go to Iconic because I felt iconic and I wanted to be around iconic women. Even if I had not met them before, you know, just felt like I belonged there. And I think that's the mindset, you know. And even if you, uh, anybody out there wants to go somewhere or meet somebody and they are a little bit scared about it, there's that book called Feel the Fear and Do It Anyway, <laughs> because it's only scary the first time. Very true. Very true, Holly. Well, we're going to link to your uh, website in the show notes and your book, obviously. So any last words for my listeners? Well, just listen to your, your intuition. I mean, we, we all have it. And then just like Singren says, you've got to create action too. And one thing with about action is most of the time it kind of starts over here and then it ends over here. So you have to be open. I know for me, that's what's happened pretty much most of my life. It's like I have an idea and I start going there and creating the action, but then all of a sudden I'll realize I need to go over here, but I wouldn't have gone over here if I didn't go over here. Clarity comes from action. That's basically it. And you yes. have to take action, even if it sounds like the wrong one, to get to the right one. Yes, just to take that step. Yeah. 
Fantastic. Thank you so much for coming on the show, Holly. And I'll see you soon again, maybe at the next Iconic. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> Go to signal.com forward slash 301. And there you find links to Holly Signorelli and the show notes of this episode. Thank you for listening to The Signal Show. Did you enjoy this episode? If you did, please share, subscribe, and give the show a review on Apple Podcasts. See you in the next episode.